Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. We're here today, and we, again, I might have confused a couple people last week. We've been usually dropping our shows on Fridays, but we've changed it now. It's dropping on Thursday night, so you can hear One Tough Mother on Thursday after midnight, right, Seth? Or, yeah. yeah, as soon as Thursday hits, bam, that's the show it. hits. It's there. And um, to open the show today, we, we want to take a minute um, to talk about what's happened in the world in the last few days. Uh, we're very sad and very sorry not just for the people in vegas of course for them but for the whole country the whole country seems to be divided they're they're just trying to to blame and and force this and force that and lisa and i've really had a lot of discussions about it and um it's just super sad that everybody has to start dividing into which group they're going to go into yeah i um i remember on 9-11 New York, we all came together. I got a hotel room. Three people stayed in my room. One I didn't know that well. And I just wish the country would do that. These people have lost so much. And to politicize it for means, for your own means, I just think is horrific. And it's, you know what, you can't, none of us can wrap our heads around it. None of us. And I don't know that they're ever going to get to the bottom of it. I don't know if they're ever going to figure out why he did it. Obviously, he was wacko, and he was off his rocker. And to to constantly say this reason, that reason, or if this happened, or if this didn't happen, stop already. It's sad enough. What do you think? I actually work with a security expert. He was on CBS this morning for six hours the next day, and I work closely with him. And he said some things are not they're not explainable. There's, some things just happen, and there's nothing. He doesn't put any blame on the hotel or anyone else. It just it's 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 something that happened, and it's it's. Unfortunately, it's frustrating, but we don't know why, and and nobody could have done anything really. Right, it, because you hear a lot of stuff like, "How do you get the guns up there?" And how this, you know, he had it, a it room. Keep, he had a room. Yes, he he brought Vegas. bags in. You know. Come on, Seth. We go to right. trade shows, and we take big, big, you know, cases. Right. Full and he was there for a week. He brought other bags in, and no, nobody was. Yeah, said, Boom. he was right. there for three days. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, 
five, six, seven trips, whatever. It, it's a horrific thing. You know, there's a lot of acts of heroism. You know, yes. people are saving strangers, yes. shielding strangers. I mean, yeah. like you're talking about the spirit, that the spirit was there. People, yes. the, the best of people came out yep. in the worst time. So let's so. all try to remember that. Let's all let's all yeah. do something kind every day and, and just try to keep in your heart that, you know, people, you don't always going to have an explanation people you know lose it sometimes and just be kind yourself say something kind or help someone and remember and i think about this a lot in my own mind or families first and i think that if people start in this country start kind of like going back to the the family first type attitude maybe and not worry about being on your cell phone 24 7 not worry about being on your computer 24 7 really start thinking about your family and spending some more time with your family and quality time who knows what what i'll do but i just feel that's just something I wanted to point out and say. So when we come back, we have two great guests. We're dedicating this show and the next show, actually, to breast cancer. And Melissa Berry, who is a cancerfashionista.com. She was a triple negative breast cancer survivor. And Caitlin Brodnick, who is a, a fabulous comedian. She won an Emmy, actually. And she had the breast cancer gene, are talking about their experiences, what they went through, and helping a million other women in this world go through the same thing. So when we come back, we're going to meet them. They're wonderful. We'll see you in a minute. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. Our guest today, we're thrilled to have in the studio with us. Yes, and Seth is too because he's surrounded by dangerous boobs. <laughs> Our first guest is a fabulous fashion fanatic and the founder of CancerFashionista.com. I can't say that. Cancer Fashionista. Damn it. You got it. You got Leave it. that in there. I got it. Yeah, I'm going. You got, got it. You got it. You got it. A four-year triple breast <laughs> cancer survivor. I hate you guys. Mother of two beautiful daughters, a fashion and beauty publicist who has worked with major brands such as BCBG's, Max Azera, American Eagle Outfitters, and Maiden Form, and is also the recipient of Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation's 2016 Courage Award. That is one, and her name's Melissa Berry. Melissa. Thank you for the warm welcome. Oh my goodness. I feel like a movie star today. Oh, you are like one, honey. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Must be the my lips. red lipstick. And then our it second is. guest is a public speaker, an author, a comedian who tested positive for the BRCA1 gene <laughs> mutation, had a preventative double mastectomy, authored and produced a six-part online documentary titled Screw You, Cancer! <laughs> which mm. received seven million views for the first year and won a National Magazine Award and the first First internet program to win an Emmy, the author of Dangerous Boobies, Breaking Up With My Time, Bomb, Breasts, We Have the Gorgeous, and also Pregnant, Caitlin Brunnett. Thank you, ladies. It's our pleasure to welcome you guys here. Thank you. We're, we're super excited to have you in the studio because now Seth is really surrounded by everyone. Mm -hmm. He's so surrounded. It's really intense. Right? Yeah. Uh -oh. And you know what? It's, I feel like the show's a wrap now because they've done so much. I know. Yeah. Like, I can't go any further than that. It was like very exhausting just to say cancerfashionista.com. I got exhausted you doing got that. it. Oh, I, I did. I got it that time. Okay. So let me just ask the obvious question. Melissa, I'm going to start with you. Tell us, like, how did you find out and when? Well, uh, there's a, there was a lot of breast cancer in my family, and um, I was under a microscope really since I was 32. Uh, once I discovered that I had the BRCA gene, um, I was going for regular mammogram appointments, clinical exams, MRIs, and uh, 
it was the one time that my um, New York City-based oncologist was like, you know, Melissa, don't schlep into the city uh, for this mammo. Just go to a local hospital and, and get checked out. So I, I remember it was just a very busy day, and um, there was a huge line in the waiting room, and I was frustrated because I, I was just seen six months before, and I, I really did not think anything was wrong, and um, I just wanted to get it over with, quite frankly. So um, I was finally called into the appointment, and the clinician um, felt my left breast, and within a minute, um, she was putting a sticker on it. And I looked at her, and I was like, what's that for? And she said, I feel a lump. And I, I actually got kind of upset. I said, I, I don't understand. I, I, I just saw my oncologist a few months ago, and I had an MRI. It must be a mistake. And she said, well, let's, let's just you know take a look and do an MRI. And it actually, the, the, the tumor didn't show up in the MRI. Um, I was then brought into another room, and they did a needle biopsy. And I remember the nurse was looking at me, I was looking at her and I'm thinking, this, this cannot be good, this is not good. And, uh, and she's like, you know what, I don't, I don't think it's anything, it just looks like a cyst. And I, and I actually believe that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the doctor did another be- needle biopsy because he came back and he said, you know what, I, I think I see a shadow. And I'll never forget those words because when he said that, I felt like I was in trouble. I really, really did. And it was such a hop, skip, and jump. You go there, boom, 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 all this stuff. Yeah, I go from like, I just need to get out of here because I have a conference call in an hour to let's do another needle biopsy. And I remember specifically my, the battery on my on my phone was so low and I, all I kept thinking is, oh my God, I have to, I'm gonna have to call a few people. And I, my head was just spinning. I was not thinking clearly. Uh, and then they they did the second needle biopsy, and they um, they they that's when they 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 did determine that it was it was breast cancer. Uh, and it's so weird because life is good right now. You know what I mean? Like you don't think of those things. And you've got two beautiful daughters. You know, you're married. You're a publicist for some major major brands, and life is good. And you're feeling great about life. And you said it the right way. You go into those doctor's appointments. You go into those things, and you're like, I just want to get out of here. Oh, I it's something on your to do list. It's I like dry dinner. cleaner, mammogram. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, pick up pizza. I yeah. mean, it's. It's part of, you know, unfortunately what we need, what we have to do. And that's why I urge women all the time just to get it done. Like there are so many other things you'd rather be doing, of course. Um, and and uh, and, I, and I remember when they told me that I had breast cancer, I actually thought, well, it must not be like the, that breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Like not, yeah, what it must be like what? some other yeah. thing and a mistake. I mean, I, I could not wrap my head around it. And you had family had breast cancer. It was big in your family, and you still couldn't wrap your head around I it. I still couldn't. And um, my mother actually had a lumpectomy and radiation. And look, not not to minimize what that is, because it's, it's still traumatic. It's still breast cancer. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when I ended up going for my consult, which was the next day, it was actually the same day that Angelina Jolie came out with her news about having a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy. And I remember going to my surgeon and, and like, almost angry, like, why didn't you tell me to do that? Right. I don't, I wouldn't have to be sitting here talking to you about am I am I gonna lose my hair or not? Right. I'm so angry and and you know look every doctor is different and 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 my team really felt that you know with close being closely monitored that you know the right steps would be would be taken. Um, but it, it was it was it was mind blowing. It, it really was to learn that I would have to have chemo and and surgery and like. I call it the works. I mean, it's like, it, you know, Yeah, everything. from soup to nuts. You're going to do this, this, and this. So how, how do you go on from there? You had a strong support system. Your family, like, really huddled around you, and everything was good, friends. I had an incredible, I'm going to get so choked up, um, incredible support system. Incredible. Like, 
people that I didn't even know were like dropping stuff off at my house. And and the crazy thing is that I'm so such a huge advocate now, and I have a, a blog. But when I was first diagnosed, when I you know what I first thought was, thank God I'm getting my chemo over the summer, so I don't have to go to school pickup and have the other moms see me. Right, right, right. right. I mean, that's like the kind of stuff you think about, and that you don't want to ever have to think about. But my my family was incredible. Um, my friends, even I actually was a fashion design major. I went to Marist College, and uh, my my friends from college um, they called themselves the Fashion Design Army. Every week, they would send me a different care package. So one week it was a box of funny books, like all of Tina Fey's books, and uh, another week it was um, like a beautiful uh, cashmere sweater. And then uh, one week, this was amazing. They actually draw outlines of each of. Their, their bodies like on craft paper to send me a hug because they're all over the country oh, that is amazing and I mean it's just the kind of stuff that you just like like god you know I hope I'm as I that I can be as good of a friend and and family member to, as everyone has been with me and so really. that kind of like facilitated um, cancerfashionista.com right because Tell us exactly what it is, because it sounds like fashion for cancer. Sorry, but that's what it sounds like to me. But tell me exactly. Absolutely. What it is. Well, um, I am a beauty and fashion publicist, and you know, once I knew what my course of treatment was, I started to think, how the hell am I going to look normal for you know, mm-hmm. not just we're not just talking about like meetings, which look, I'm not going to minimize that either for women that you know go to a workplace and see the same people every day. But I'm always you know uh, prospecting new clients and going to fashion shows and mm-hmm. you know and and I and meeting with fashion editors and beauty editors that are living and breathing fashion and beauty. So I scoured the internet to try and find information and um, products like lash. What kind of lashes does one wear mm-hmm. when you have are going through chemo? What ki- how should I tie a scarf? What kind of wig should I be looking for? And nothing was in one place. So I ended up just really by default and with this list. And so when I was done with treatment, every so often my mom, typical Jewish mom, Melissa, I need that list, a friend of a friend. And I'm like, mom, I'm so busy. And finally I put the list together. And then one morning I woke up and I don't know, cancer fashionista just kind of came to me. And I thought maybe I should just put this, uh, started with a Word document, I'm like, well, maybe a blog. That And a friend of mine, my really good friend Tina, she's amazing. She was a, a web and graphic designer for a living. She sat down with me and we, we whipped up um, a, a website um, that was beautiful. I'm actually relaunching a, a new one next week that I'm so excited to unveil. Um, and and I've, I've made so many incredible connections with designers and nonprofits. I just, I mean, the, the work for me is endless now. That's, you know, that's so wonderful because you know what I think of, and I've, I've lost three friends to breast cancer in the last two years. But I think to myself, what if you don't have that knowledge? What if you don't have, like, I remember when Etta got breast cancer, we, we looked for scarves and she couldn't tie the scarf. And there were so many things that we didn't know. And that is so important to have it in one place and to get it out there. There are moms that are waitresses, single moms, waitresses that have no idea and haven't the resources, the income to buy that. So you, you could just go to your local big box store your local you know walmart per se buy a scarf and look at a cool way to tie it absolutely i actually just did uh, a video on how to tie a scarf uh when you're going through chemo for living beyond breast cancer which is an incredible organization um it's going to be coming out later this uh, year and um and and the, and i use a scarf i use a ponytail holder and a and headband you know from the drugstore simple right. basic um 
things that you could find around the house that anyone can use. And, and do. you know what? It's, she really, we would do little things for her, like get her makeup, like just little things from the drugstore, you know, little funny, goofy things. All those little tiny things to make her feel special and beautiful. Exactly, and I and I hope that my blog isn't just for women that are going through treatment, but also for their caregivers and their friends and family. I can't tell you how many calls um, I get from friends that say, you know, I have a friend that was just diagnosed. What do I get her? Where do I begin? Right. Um, so so I'm happy to put this knowledge that I have and and put it on a platform that is accessible to everybody. Yeah, because you're at the, you're at the lowest low, basically, right? And any kind of little glimmer of light is, is absolutely. You feel I always say, better. you take away a woman's hair and her boobs. Talk about defeminizing. I mean, it, yeah. it really, yeah. and not to be, you know, uh, all, you know, I don't like to be so surface about it, but that's the truth. It is the truth. No, it's very true. It's one hundred percent. And I love what you did about your hair. I mean, I loved it. I tell them how how you handled the hair situation. How I um oh so um. I asked a lot of uh, people, you know, what do you, what, how do you know when your hair is falling out? Do you cut it short? Do you just shave it? So, um, what I decided to do, and everyone's journey is different, is I went to my hairdresser and I got a pixie cut, and it was actually really cute. And we were laughing because when she did it, and my sister-in-law Monica came with me, it was like the, it was before the salon was open. We were all nervous about it. And when she cut it, we were like, oh, my God, this looks so good. Why didn't I do this before? I mean, it right. was really great. Right. Um, and then, uh, so I was told, I think it's like, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before you think your hair is going to fall out. It's it's a good idea or something that you can try to just cut it really short, especially if you have long hair. So it's not so traumatic. Mm-hmm. So I remember being at my desk. I have a white desk and I was typing and I saw like flecks of hair uh, like dropping. And I was like, shh. Can I curse? Yeah. I was like, shit. <laughs> I'm saying shit the whole shit. time. Shit. That's my freaking hair. And like, I love beauty and I love fashion. I'm like, just felt like, oh, here it goes. Like, this, this it's going to start. So um, my hair stylist was, she told me the, the, the blade of razor to use. And um, I had it ready to go. And the next morning, you know when you're, <laughs> you let your hair and your legs go too long and you know you're supposed to shave them, it starts to itch? Yes. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. At least I sometimes yeah, yeah. Get, get a lot of control. Seth, you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Seth. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it just, my head was itching. It was annoying. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning. And I went to the bathroom. And I just looked in the mirror. And I'm like, I can do this. It's just my freaking hair. So I started to buzz it. Meanwhile, my daughter, who at the time was uh, 7, was on this campaign that she wanted to be a hairdresser like just it's totally non-related so I hear a knock on the door and I'm like babe and she's like mommy what are you doing and I'm like uh do you want to shave my hair off and she was like yeah (laughs) this is awesome so she came into the bathroom with me like I'm in like my bra underwear and and she's in her pajamas and we go into the bathtub and I handed it her to her I'm like you sure you don't mind doing this and she looked at me like you kidding me? It's like giving yeah. someone, giving her like a roll of bubble wrap. Like, do you want to pop this? She's like, and she she shaves it off. And if I never in a million years could have thought I could have planned something like that. We were giggling and I was so okay with it. And when I tell you that my, my kids were like my angels through the whole thing, they really, really were. Like, you know, moms, I will tell you, you worry about your kids. And I know moms that hide their breast cancer. Don't. Bring them into it. It's a part of life. It's a part of, you know, your journey. And and they can actually be there for you. They really can. How empowering for her. Absolutely. She's going to think back on that, Melissa. And she's going to be like, wow, 
that was a very powerful moment between my mother and I forever. 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 Absolutely. I, I really feel like you have a really good handle on it now. I mean, you go, what, every six months? Well, now I've actually graduated, and I will tell mm. you, I have had, I have an awful crush on my breast oncologist. Um, so oh I was saddened, Sorry, actually, <laughs> to hear that we were going to be stretching out the visits. And the last time I saw him, I was like, Doc, uh, so am I going to see you, what, three months, six months? He's like, well, we'll talk about it. You know, probably go to six months and maybe nine months. And then I said, then what? And he said, ah, I'll meet you at a bar. Ooh. Yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> but I took that with a grain of salt. He's very happily married, so just for the record. Oh, yeah. That's it's so all good. Good. My mother has line. a crush on him, too. Available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a, that was a good line. That was excellent. Well, tell us, is there anything else? That, what are you going to do next? What's going to happen now? Well, now I'm just really excited about... Um, putting a lot of uh, love and, and passion into my Cancer Fashionista blog and partnering with other designers and other nonprofit organizations and other influencers in the fashion, beauty, and in the breast cancer communities to really help women feel and look their best and empower them. Well, I'll say one thing. You rock, and you're gorgeous. Oh, my besides. gosh. Thank you. You're so to you totally rock, and we're super happy to have you here. Thank you for having and me. And when we come back, we're going to bring Caitlin in. She's funny as all hell. I'm not kidding. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Hold on. We'll be right back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. Okay, and we're back. And Caitlin is, her story is much different, much, much different than Melissa's. Um, Caitlin, you're a very successful entertainer. And Thank you have you. an Emmy, which just blew my mind. And you never mentioned that to me when we met. I didn't even know that. And I'm reading through her stuff. And I'm like, wow, she has an Emmy. I'm going to really use that. She has an <laughs> Emmy. And you were in your 20s. Now, mm -hmm. wait, were you married? Start your story. Tell us how and when. Okay, so I first got tested for the BRCA1 gene was positive at 25, and I got married at 27, and then early 27, like 26, 27, and then decided to have the surgery um, at the end of my 28th year. So, so it was like, like a whole thing. Like all the, had, like, the fun 20s. Up, you had this like lined up in your head? No, not at all. I um, did not want to get tested. I didn't want to know anything about it. So I was talking to Melissa on the break, and like my dad is the only surviving person in his family. They've all died of cancers. And so growing up as a child, it was just like one by one, everybody was going. And I understood very young that cancer takes away your favorite people. Mm -hmm. Cancer robs you of all these amazing opportunities. I mean, that's a really intense thing as a child to be growing up. And I was talking to a friend who sadly just lost his father and he's talking about all of his first, like the first Christmas without them or the first birthday. And like, I realize like I was experiencing all of that as a child like as a very young child I was experiencing all of these deaths and we joke as a family like we're very good at funerals like <laughs> invite us to your funerals because we know how to do it we know how to sit shiva we know where the caterer should go like we are on top of funerals well, I'll be contacting you if I need one <laughs> yes I know if you want to put us in your future funeral plans the Brodnicks will provide we don't want to go into business because we don't want to be crap, you know, trashy yeah. about it, but we're very good. <laughs> so hearing that story about Melissa with her daughter, I was like, I wanted, I was really kept in the dark a lot as a child about this stuff. And so when my poppy died, I never cried more in my entire life than at that 
time. I was like in middle school and I just was blown away. And I remember like grieving so heavily and being so shocked that like this was what my body and mind was capable of that I went I was so deeply just I never I thought I would never stop crying like it was just such a crazy time and if I had known a little bit before or like had a feeling about it before I felt like I could have been a part of it you know like I could have been I don't know if I could have even handled it, but that idea that like you let your daughter be a part of the journey, the good and the bad and the insanity, and that she could laugh during that time, that's a really sad time for many people. That's the greatest thing. Like that perspective of a child that's just like, well, this is silly. We're in a bathtub. (laughs) And you're like, oh, great. Right. That's wonderful. And so, um, yeah, it was, um, I was very... I mean, I've always dealt with depression and anxiety, not to bring down the room, um, but <laughs> most comedians are uh, an inch away from jumping off a bridge. Yeah, yeah. Remind me, girls, no more comedians. We're, we're pretty miserable people, but <laughs> that's why you have to laugh because you won't leave your home either way. Um, <laughs> that's why podcasts are great because you don't have to physically go anywhere. Um, but yeah, so I was very like anxious and things were very um stressful and painful for me as a child because I remember kids would get like upset about boys and dating and I'd be like well what's the point we're all gonna die soon anyway like I was a morbid child and like not cool morbid like liked you know cool goth things like I was morbid like only watched Barney and Friends and Sesame Street because like there was little death in those shows That's like, like freaky, right? Yeah, like a, I was a weirdo. Yeah, like a real weirdo. And I really had this disconnect with my peers because I just, I was so mature in this one way, but like didn't still didn't know how to talk to boys. And so mm-hmm. I just was always so frustrated. And I remember talking to like my family members on the phone and being like, they don't get what's important in life. And it's right. like, no, they probably won't. They might not until their 40s or 50s, but I understood this reality so young. So... And it's crazy because you... I mean, this blows my mind that you chronicle it. I mean, like you, you really went out there and just did a six-part series did. on it, right? So my dad, to start with, knew that something was off. If he's the only surviving person in his family, they've all died of cancers. Mm-hmm. He went with Johns Hopkins and was a part of their research program and found out about the BRCA gene 15 to 20 years ago. He found out very early. Oh, right. And so he came back to us as a family and was actually enthralled because if there's a cause there could be a solution he's um in the medical industry he owns a physical therapy practice and sees patients a million patients a day and so he feels very comfortable with scientific knowledge and medical knowledge and I thought it was like the most disgusting thing like for him to be like oh you could get tested I was like why like why would I want to be closer in any regard to cancer like even if I had it like what what I'll deal with it when it gets there like I just I I really was grossed out by it. And like, he tested positive for it. My sister got tested and she's negative. So everyone's like, oh my God, you could have a 50-50 chance. Like, you could not have it. And I was like, guys, <laughs> if this is a Jewish Ashkenazi gene, I am the most Jewish one in the family. I make my own challah. Okay, I know all the prayers. And um, I got a Jew nose. So I'm like, we, like, I got it. I thank you. And they're like, you never know. I was like, bullshit. So, so you profiled yourself right in. Oh, it. I've always been very Jewish. Like, very important to me. And so, so the only time I actually got tested, so I was dating this amazing 
cool, badass guy. And I was so head over heels in love. And I was like, that's it. Like, I'm going to take some risks in my life. I'm going to stop working at like my shitty office job. And I'm like, go to auditioning full time. And I was like, I'm going to really enjoy it. Yeah, I was like, I'm living my life. But then like my health insurance (laughs) would have been gone. So I was like, okay, fine. Before I like live my dreams, let me check if I have a very intense disease (laughs) possibly or my type of cancer. Like, let's just check it out. So I went to go for a gluten allergy, which was the most popular allergy in 2010. And um, I told my doctor all the information. She's like, yeah, we're getting you tested for BRCA2. BRCA1 and BRCA2. Um, And I was like, okay, cool. So I got the test and it was just like the worst news. It felt like, without taking anything away from anyone's experience, it felt to me at the time like they were telling me I had breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Because at the time in like 2010, the, the risks and the changes are slightly different now. I think they say in your lifetime it's a um, 83 or 82% risk, but then it was an 87% risk. It's still in the high 80s. And they told me that in my lifetime I had an 87% chance of getting breast cancer. And after growing up and seeing that like breast cancer kills in my family, you know, women who have had it, it wasn't successful stories. I was like, oh, that is then the next step. Like if you say I have an incredibly high risk of it, that means that's the way I'm going to die. And so at 25, I was so, it messed me up so badly. And then the crazy thing is, is that I didn't have cancer. So I felt so fraudulent. I felt so other and terrible. And like, I know how horrific cancer is and everyone who's handled it is such a badass amazing survivor and I was like well I can't go to a cancer center for help because I don't want to ever take time away from a real cancer patient that would need it and I was like I can't join that club because I don't want anyone to think that I don't think that they appreciate as the the amount of time and care like I felt so stuck and there were like a couple groups out there but I wasn't aware of it that would help like they call them us previvors But I also just didn't want to be a part of the club. I I was so confused and like felt weirdly guilty. Like I felt guilty for being scared and upset. And I was like, because you don't have cancer. Like, don't be such a brat about it. You know, you're fine. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I could never let go of the fact of like, well, you're going to get it. I mean, it's 87% chance. It's a pretty great, like if somebody gave me an 87% on a test, I'd be like, I'm smart. (laughs) That's a high B. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So for me, that was just so intense. And you know what? And you had a lot to lose. I did. So that's the other thing. I had the biggest Jewish boobs in the world. They were 32G. They were a fan favorite. She goes, There's no such thing as a J. Oh, Oh, honey, yes. You get them. Yeah, you get them specially ordered. You order them from this place, figleaves.com. Everyone should do it. It's in the UK. And now you do. I get I used to get them special ordered online. And like it was a really big concern for my wedding because yeah, figleaves.com. They're wonderful. Um and I, I like, yes, it's really hard to contain these boobs. So I'm like five feet tall and I have a really small back. And so nothing would fit me because forget going into anything like Victoria's Secret or a normal place. Forget it. But like I'd have to go to Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom, like these fancy places with grandma looking bras and be like, please. I know <laughs> we're making a lot of connections in this room. <laughs> we're all <laughs> showing our tits. Um, enjoy viewer. Just imagine it. Just imagine some hot, cool ladies showing those tits. So, yeah, so it was like, it was never fun. It was always like an apparatus that I had to put on. It was just so difficult. And so that was the thing, too. So I hated my boobs 
constantly. And then they gave me this test result. And I was like, oh, I, well, I hate everything. Right. So I just got drunk for three years. <laughs> it's just oh, wow. a basket case for three years. Wow. That's, yeah. I'm yeah. Pre- I mean, I, how do you cope with it in your 20s? I mean, that was why I wrote my book, because there wasn't anything out there that I felt that was a young person telling me a hopeful story who had gone through what I had gone through. And when Angelina Jolie came out, that really blew my mind. I was like, the most sexualized woman mm-hmm. right now in our generation right. who uses her breasts and her body as power in her right. movies. And my God, Mr. and Mrs. Smith was so fucking hot. And right. it was like, right. and she doesn't care. Like, she doesn't care if her boobs are fake. I'm right. like, no one has seen mine. Point two people have seen mine. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, we, I, I don't, they're not that precious. And I hate them anyway. So I was like, we, we can move on, guys. Well, and so, wait, you document it, though, right? I did. Because so there tell, was. Take me through that Emmy. So. Part. <laughs> the, Emmy. Like so the Emmy goes to <laughs> we call it a semi-Emmy because it was like this honors <laughs> award that was like a separate from the Emmy Awards but and it was you still have the statue right yeah I have oh. a but it's a special statue it looks slightly different but it's really oh, lovely special <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not like <laughs> honey it's an Emmy <laughs> I know it feels really fun it feels really fun when I get really sad I just look at it and I'm like well that happened <laughs> the world's falling down but that was a nice All day jeez <laughs> I know that are real. <laughs> so what did you do? How okay, so I, when I first, so I eventually decided I did want the surgery because I hated my breasts. I hated, I, I wasn't actually living my life. Like I was kind of, I was in intense denial, intense sadness. And I was like, isn't life supposed to be good at, in your 20s? And I'm like pining for, so doctors told me that after you have kids, when you're in your four, 50s and 60s is when at the time they recommended mastectomies, even preventatively. So they decided for you that um, everybody wants to breastfeed. So they were like, well, of course, first you breastfeed because that's your use as a female. Um, And then when you're done breastfeeding, then you can do whatever you want with your breasts. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to love my body and possibly choose the perfect breast size when I'm in my 50s. Like, I've already had a rough childhood. (laughs) I've already hated my body since puberty started. Like, why can't I like it right now? And what so I had that epiphany moment. And then I started to, like, look online because, like, I'm a person of a generation that, like, I go to online for anything. Like, YouTube is where I look at everything. And the only mastectomy stories, none of them were preventative at the time on YouTube. They were all sad stories. And they were all these women who had gone through these experiences. And I was like, okay, I know what that is. I've been through family members going through that. I That's not what I want to do. And that's not what I'm doing. And I was talking to my friend in comedy and she's like, you got to put this in your act. And I was like, of course, like, of course, I'm going to joke about it. But what if I also documented before and after doctor's appointments to be another voice? Because I was 27. I knew that my body would heal very quickly because from my dad's experience in the medical field, anytime he had a patient come in and they were a young patient, they would always heal miraculously. And he always told me, like, once you get older, it's just harder to, Mm -hmm. to repair. And so I was like, I think, and I have a great support system. And I was like, I think I could do this. And I think it might go well. And I went to Sloan Kettering Memorial, uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. And I really love my doctors. They're cool, badass bitches. And I was like, okay, I think this system, the equation looks good. So I contacted my friend who works and blogged for Glamour. And I was like, could I possibly blog before and after just like two video, you know, like video to... Um, speaking directly to my computer and just talk about the experience because there's nothing there. 
And Glamour was just starting their entertainment division, Condé Nast Entertainment. And they were like, oh, no, we want to make it a full-blown documentary. <laughs> Which, is awesome. Which is crazy. And it was it actually saved me during the surgery because I had dealt with, like, a lot of scary things in my past. And I was really afraid. There was a part of me that was very afraid of this surgery and thought that, like, throughout the entire process they would suddenly find breast cancer and be like oh now you got to do chemo like I was ready the whole time to be told that no you should not ever feel safe this is this might be a happy preventative thing but you know you're dying tonight so I was like very scared but to have a crew with me and to be this like mini reporter and to like put on my lip gloss and brush my hair and explain my fears to a camera in a in a formula and like a system that I'm comfortable in I like being in front of the camera, I like talking to the viewer. It really helped me. It made me get out of bed. It made me like, I didn't have to leave my house, but roll over, <laughs> like right. communicate. And I just kept thinking like, it's not about me. It's about that young girl who is possibly thinking about this. I had a gut feeling that maybe preventative surgeries would kind of start to pick up once Angelina came out. Right. And I was like, I think I could help someone else because I was scared. I was really destructive for three years. I felt so afraid that if I had had some girl just talk to me and make like a tit joke, I would have felt a little bit better. Right. Or or even like I could, even if I wasn't ever ready to have the surgery, like there's somebody who could say this is not for me. But just to have the conversation going would would have just taken some of the sting out of it. And, you know, I WebMD'd myself for hours and I would like look at all these crazy things and it turns out I was researching the wrong type of cancer. Oh, <laughs> and like wow. that was a lot of the stuff that I kept very quiet and alone and I felt very lonely in the process. And so now I, whenever I talk to women, I'm like, go find a gen- genetic counselor, go to those cancer centers. You do belong. It's you because you want to live a healthy life. You are just as legitimate as somebody who's going through a tragedy. You you do need to get informed. And information is not going to kill you. Right. And that was right. not what I thought. Like, I thought if I researched something, it would pop up off the screen and then get being cancer. Or I thought if I talked to a breast cancer survivor too long, like, we would be the same. And then right. that would mean right. I would get it. And, like... But being informed, finding out the clear facts from a, someone in a like in a in a cancer hospital, or if I love genetic counselors. Sitting with a genetic counselor, that's not going to give you cancer. It's just going to inform you, and you don't have to make any decision that night. Right. Like that's the other thing. I think we live in this very immediate world. We're on Twitter. We're living. <laughs> Does Instagram live this? So we whatever you want, you literally can get in a second. Seamless and it's Uber funny because you find out quickly in a tragedy. That when you're in a tragedy, you have two choices. You can roll over. Mm-hmm. You can roll over and just be like, I'm not dealing. I'm just not dealing. Yeah. Or you can help other people, which pull you out of it. Because in I my do think helping people that has helped me. Yeah. I mean, you you can just say, I'm done. I'm just so totally done. I can't do anymore. Well, or, that's, that's what I thought deep in my heart. If I ever got a cancer diagnosis, I honestly think that based on my experience, I would have just rolled over and was like, it's time to go. Like, I mm-hmm. seeing everyone... I loved, (laughs) loved so hard and amazing people not make it. It was like, why, what hope did I have? Like it, and they are the best people. Like if my favorite best people in the world got taken by cancer, why wouldn't I? Like why? I'm getting so upset. So I don't think I would have been tough if I had had cancer. I don't think I'd be anything like you girls. I don't think at all I would be tough. I would 
No, I really think I would have yeah, been you like, know we're you done. Know yeah. It, it's all done. Yeah. And, so and some people are like, this is an extreme surgery. And I'm like, it's extreme because I think this is how I could handle this situation. Right. No, no. I think that's the greatest. And you really did. You did handle it. And you handled it your own way. And I think yeah. doing it your own way, I think making it your decision makes you that much stronger that much stronger this is how i'm going to do it yeah screw everybody else you know i don't give a shit how they think it's going to be done i'm doing it my way and i think when you take control of your body take control of your mind take control of who you are and put that out there a people respect you and b you respect yourself you're not like i'm done yes it did it did make a big change for me i was like surgery was difficult because i never had surgery before i never had kids before i didn't know about healing and like how long it takes for your body to get it together and I was like this is taking too long like (laughs) I'm like I'm young I'm fun like we should be ready to go out for drinks again and I was like I could barely walk and I just was so blown away by how slow it was that all of that stuff that like when I got through all of the muck and all that crazy head fog from recovering I was like oh this is the best decision I ever made like it's really and people will ask me and a lot of young men want to know why I would remove my breasts because they were big fans and (laughs) I was like you know what it's my choice (laughs) it's another thing you're not you got to choose the size you want to be now right yes so now you got to design your body which really freaks me out like you're like okay like I had those big honkers and now I'm gonna be this yes and I just wanted boobs that like I could put in a shirt or like wear anything with words on it and it wouldn't look like a blurry dyslexic mess like, I just, I just, God, I can only dream of that. no you don't you want it for an afternoon I swear to God take him out for an afternoon and then you will ask your husband to hold your breasts up in the shower when you shower together because it's great you should do it have anybody just hold those tits up and it relaxes your back it's awful and you know we were the one tough mother shirt only because and Melissa you mentioned this coming in everyone stares at your chest as you're yes. walking. Yeah. Just today, two people walking proud. down the street and they're like, hey, mother, no, as you're walking down, down the street. I was walking down the street and I'm like, why are the heads turning? I'm like, oh, because my shirt says one tough mother. Uh, yeah, she's never it's taken badass. Off, she said. You shouldn't. It looks really good on you. <laughs> it does. But that's yeah. so what's ne- Well, you've got the book. Tell so us I've, about the book. So the book was like a really great tool. So um, Screw You Cancer was only the very beginning where I go into the mastectomy surgery and where I talk about like my fears going into surgery and then you see me coming out of surgery and everything's great, everything's fine, exactly what I wanted. But then there's so many more steps. When you have a preventative surgery, you can do a bunch of things. You could do direct to implant, which means after they remove the breast tissue, which is the tissue that has the high risk of being cancerous, they then put an implant immediately at that same time of surgery. Or you do what I did where you do reconstruction at a later date and they do something called spacers where they put that under your pec muscle and they slowly expand it over time so either your body isn't ready for a direct-to-implant. I had a reduction as well so my skin was changing and I also didn't know what boob size I wanted. Or you can do something called a deep flap where they take tissue from your waist and stomach area um, and hips and they build your breast with that. And that also happens at the same time of the mastectomy surgery, but the surgery can be up to like 14 hours or more. It's okay. a very long surgery. Wow. So for me, I chose to have the reconstruction afterwards and there was a lot of choices. There was a lot of feelings. There was 
this crazy thing of so you heal after the mastectomy surgery and you have these spacers in and you have to work with these spacers and then you have a whole nother surgery so it, mm-hmm. it's like two huge surgeries and and that whole thing and how to relate to my family again and how to talk to friends and who was there and and I write about like what were wonderful things that people did to support me and like what bitch sucked and like right, right, right. <laughs> all of the stories like and I just I talked a lot about sex after surgery because that was the number one thing I was, I was concerned with. Ask you that was that like the number one thing in your mind? Because you're so, recently married. Yes, you're just like I'm recently married, and I I married this guy with huge cans, and then I was like, I'm sorry, we're cutting them off. <laughs> Say goodbye. I know you said you'd love me forever, so <laughs> these are the new tits you have to love too. And he, luckily, he's like a saint. He's the most wonderful person. But I was like, you could be the most incredible man, but you could also just be like, Meh, when the new boobs come in like I don't know like I was so nervous and no one is talking about sex like you'll talk about breast cancer and I tell me if I'm wrong but they sometimes stick a pink ribbon on it and they like Madonna eyes you and there's nothing sexual afterwards Mm -hmm. and it's like or it's overly sexual and it's like these huge titty pictures so like there was nothing like real and honest about you removing a sexual body part and then how do you have sex after. Right. right, right, right. So I read about it. My grandmother did not like that chapter. I know. Dangerous boobies. Yes. And it's landing when? It's it came out September twelfth and it's in bookstores everywhere and on Amazon. And it's just something that I think is exactly what I wanted in the very beginning I wanted before I got tested if I just read something that there's a lot of humor packed into it and then a lot of great quotes and um and information from my doctors as well I was like I am not a doctor I'm an oversharer so I will share it all I'll tell you about my favorite sex position but my doctor will tell you about ovarian cancer risk (laughs) so it's a mix of both that I was like hungry for as a young person and um yeah and it all worked out life's great I'm pregnant now so how, how old are you now I'm 33. 33 and you got a baby. I got a baby. You can have a baby without boobs. Right. I mean, it's going to be awesome that you... you you want to tell you know what it is yeah it's a boy and he's already really bossy and we're like you need to check yourself (laughs) (laughs) daughter just had a boy and she goes well she's overdue and I'm like you know why because he's sitting in there with his hand on his wiener (laughs) oh yeah I don't have to do shit right now I know whenever I'm like slightly hungry I'm like oh I could be hungry I get a jab from him (laughs) and I'm like oh my god we're getting there hold on but it's really cool well, congratulations. Thank I mean, you. you. Both of you are freaking amazing. Aww. And so many of the tough mothers that follow me mm. have breast cancer. And I couldn't have asked for a better couple to come in, a better, not that you're a couple, you know what I mean. But it could <laughs> be in another now. life. <laughs> but it, it was amazing. And I love you both. I mean, and you Thank need a you. shirt. We have to get, we'll have to yeah, get you look a at bit these of your cool. belly. I know, just extra large and everything. <laughs> One big mother. One yeah. huge mother making Aww. some, some little guy <laughs> I'm so excited for both well, for thank you us. thank you thank you both I couldn't have asked for anything better and I appreciate it and we want them to definitely definitely get your book a lot of good information a lot of you fun you can get it stuff. on Kindle you can do audiobook or it's just this more right. in de- my voice in detail and again let's get it Dangerous Boobies and Caitlin Brodnick is the author yeah. excellent excellent book and of course we have to send them and I'm going to say it right the first time cancerfashionista.com yes, all the information you ever need Melissa's great she's she putting together lists she's got everything that you need to know if by some chance you know someone has it or you have it or whatever the case may be 
We love you both. We, we were just Thank thrilled. You. We're just thrilled. Thank you. This is so lovely. Great. We love you. This so, is the best. Come back again. Bring the baby back. I will. We'll do a baby show. We'll bring a baby in. Okay, Seth, can we do a baby show? I'll bring my kids. Oh, no. Yeah. That, no, that's okay. Baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so my kids. Oh, I've heard about Seth's kids. baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, Seth's kid, one kid is a kind of a terror baby. My daughter's two, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, two. She's living her life. She's living her yeah. life. It's gold. She just oh, figured yeah. it out. I'll tell Seth that later <laughs> when he tells me these little stories. Like, oh, my God. I can't believe what she did. She likes to hurt people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Thank you, guys. And (laughs) when we get back, we've got Lisa with Headaches and Headlines. And we'll be right back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back. He did it right when I swallowed. I hate you, Seth. Yeah, leave that in there, Seth, so they know my true feelings about you. Yeah, leave it in there. And we're back, and we've got Lisa with Headaches and Headlines. It's like putting on your lipstick, and he slams on the brakes. Tough for mothers. Headlines and Headaches are sponsored by the new Avon. This is the boss life. Okay, so our first two stories are about, guess what? And I loved our guest, by the way. When diagnosed with breast cancer, old wounds need to heal. So Dr. Jenny Bennett achieved her dream of earning a PhD in education. Not easy. She struggled with fractured family relationships, fiancés, dysfunctional relationships, emptiness, a lot of lost friendships over the years. When she was diagnosed in 1996 with breast cancer, she realized just how important these relationships and bonds were. Her journey from heartbreak and illness to a faith-filled life free of cancer led her to create Reconstruction of Her Survivor in 2007, which is a nonprofit and support group for women who can lean on each other during the toughest time in their lives through emotional vulnerability and searching within to heal old childhood wounds that have kept them from truly loving life, even with cancer. She believes finding forgiveness was just as important to her cancer remission as her mastectomy. She said, I had to call my mother and just say, I forgive you. It was so powerful. Go to reconstructionofasurvivor.com for more info. And I have to tell you, uh, that is the millionth time I've heard that. Now, ways to better detect breast cancer, and you can do this at home. And I wanted to research this because we all do it, but there's actually the right way to do this. So what I'm about to tell you, you can do this in the mirror. You do it with your arms up, and then you do it with your arms down. Look for dimpling, puckering of the bulging skin, discharge from your nipple, or an inverted nipple. Do this exercise that I'm about to tell you, lying down and standing up as well. Right hand to examine the left breast, left hand to examine the right breast. Use firm, smooth touch with the first few fingertips of your hand, keeping them together and rubbing in a circular motion just about the size of a quarter. Cover the breast from top to bottom, side to side, and listen to this part from collarbone to the top of your abdomen and from your armpit all the way to your cleavage. I never, never did it. thought so no, collarbone never. thing. Caitlin, so, did you know no. that? No, never no, did it. Not at all. Yeah. No. Okay. You begin at the nipple, moving in larger and larger circles until you reach the outer edge of the breast. You can move your fingers up and down vertically in rows as if you were mowing a lawn. This seems to work best for most women. Be sure to feel all the tissue from the front to the back of your breasts. For the skin and tissue just beneath, use light pressure. Use medium pressure for tissue in the middle of your breasts and use firm pressure for the deep tissue in the back. When you've reached the deep tissue, you should be able to, f- be able to feel your own rib cage. Now note, 
If there is a history of breast or ovarian cancer in your family, you may want to get tested for the BRCA1 and 2 gene, as we just heard. You may or may not inherit it, but if tests are positive, your risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer can increase significantly. Go to breastcancer.org for more info on that. Okay, happy, happy, happy. <laughs> Sex in the city. Oh my God. Are they okay, coming I mean, back? Uh, What's going on? No, no. We thought they were going to have a movie number three. Uh uh-uh, uh. Which I'm upset about because I'm addicted. Karen thinks I'm nuts but yeah. Kim here we go Kim Samantha slams Sarah Jessica Parker as tension surrounding the Sex in the City 3 revealed Kim killed the movie a source says what Oy vey. my all time fave as you all know not doing a three Sarah Jessica Sarah Jessica Parker said there's no script and then in an interview with Extra she said the movie was officially off the table it's over we're not doing it huh. here come one rumor Kim Cattrall was making demands Kim's response the only demand I made was that I didn't want to do a third film and that was in 2016 <sighs> rumors Kim Cattrall again told Pierce Morgan's on his show something like which she wishes her co-stars would have been a little bit nicer then Sarah Jessica Parker claims they were never feuding Kristen Davis chimed in I wish we could have completed the stories of our characters it's deeply frustrating we just all have our memories and I say, if Big and Carrie can get together, why can't they do movie three? But well, go to extra.com for more info on that. But maybe they did sort of have the characters yeah, done. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It and, seems oh so gosh. intense. It's so bitchy sounding. It's like, come on. <laughs> I know. That's what it reminds me of. That's why oh, I can't I know, watch it. but I it's love like, it. If, you, if you're a fan of the show. No, yeah, but I'm I saying know. they're ruining it by being so yeah. bitchy. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. You're okay. a grown it's like women. It's school, right? I know. Wow. They're also actresses, and I am an actress. We have to pay homage, though, to Hugh Hefner and Tom Petty. Tom Petty. Legendary Hugh Hefner and then rock icon Tom Petty both passed away. Hugh died in his mansion last week, 91, in his home on of heart failure and sep... Oh, my God, I can never say this right. Septicemia. Mm -hmm. After contracting drug-resistant strain of E. coli. What a way to go. I know. He, of course, was the Playboy founder and known for lavish parties at the Playboy Mansion. But not many people know he's actually very straight-laced, believe it or not. Tom Petty passed away Monday. He was found unconscious at his home in Malibu, not breathing and in full cardiac arrest. Rushed to UCLA Medical Center, but could not be relived. Free fall, an American girl, and I won't back down, were among many hits he had with his, bands, the, his band, The Heartbreakers. He was known for songwriting as much as his music. Springsteen, McCarthy, Alice Cooper, John Mellencamp, just a few who tweeted their feelings. But Monday, Coldplay, oh my God, they had a moment of silence, and then they did a kick-ass version of Free Fallen. Did it you was, see it? I heard it. Have it was amazing. I'm going to have to listen to that. Okay, let's see what is next. I think... What we should do is talk about our new sponsor. Yeah, we were actually there. We went to the new headquarters. It was killer yesterday. It rocked. Avon, the new Avon. Wow. This is the boss life. Well, first of all, does anybody have any idea how long they've been around? No clue. Oh, did you sell Avon, Seth? Do I, uh, did your mom sell Avon? No. Oh, because a lot of moms are like, mine did. Avon. First, no, my, my mom, mom smokes cigarettes. Oh, okay, good. Okay, well, this is not a You can smoke and still wear makeup. <laughs> we stop with this. It's not a Marlboro commercial, okay? Avon, started in 1886 by David H. McConnell, over 130 years old. One of the first networking marketing companies ever. And ladies, it ain't just makeup. Jewelry, clothing, mm-hmm. lotions and perfumes, skincare, and yes, lots and lots of makeup. And did you know the skin's so soft? It is. I use it. Yeah. I love it. But you know what it does? It keeps away mosquitoes. Yeah. yeah it, nobody it knows that. No, yes, it Skin's works. so it soft, works. keeps it away mosquitoes. I need that. 
Yeah. You can shop with a rep, which is cool, as they ha help you select what looks best for you with your skin coloring, or online yourself. And they're donating 20% of the net profits from breast cancer fundraising products up to $1 million to the Avon Foundation to support the Avon Breast Cancer Crusade. And I must say, a lot of people are not aware this is also Prevent Domestic Violence Month. And they're, do they're doing the same thing, donating up to $500,000. That's the jewelry great. is gorgeous. Bangle bracelets in both pink and purple for the causes. Karen and I were there. Karen, what did you do? All right, do? here's the deal. So we're going there, and Lisa knows it. So the night before, she's shopping online, like looking all the stuff they have <laughs> in Avon now. She's like, oh, look, they have this, and they have this. We get there. I'm talking to the woman, Ava. Lisa's shopping. Like, oh literally, she's like picking her products up. I'll get one of these. And does this look good on me? And she's talking to me. I would do that. She actually I walked out with, and Lisa's a makeup whore. I have to be honest. She has a whole Total slut. drawer. Yeah, Love it. it. You're worse than me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I just organized, though. Hey. Oh. Oh. Yes, I did. Deep. <laughs> but I finally got my organized with the new closet. I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, so now for quickies. Mm. We love, well, I just have to say, the new Avon, we love you. Okay. Alex Morgan, I don't know if everybody knows who she is, but she was a U.S. soccer team that won the silver in 2011 FIFA World Cup, was thrown out of Disney World after an eight-hour drinking binge. The Obamas are checking out an Upper East Side apartment. I love Yup, 10 Gracie here. Square. Where is that? I let it out of the bag. Dancing with the Stars, Max Chermakovsky and Vanessa Lachey are bickering since week one. Cher, who was 71, said she was 106 pounds in her prime. Oh. I can't believe that. But she still does planks every day. She's very tall. Now, another, yeah, yeah, another thing like on Michelle Obama. Height, right? Michelle Obama was speaking at the Pennsylvania Conference for Women. Can Shonda Rhimes ever stay out of the news? No. She was being interviewed by Shonda Rhimes when she was interrupted by a video from her husband, President Barack Obama, with the beautiful anniversary tribute because they were married 25 years this week. Mark Cuban is the latest non-politician who was throwing his hand in the ring, his hand in the ring for possible presidential run. Also, Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, has I'm hinted about the, rock, the same thing. Yeah, I'm oh going for God. the rock. Yeah. Me too. Okay, wait, wait, you one too? more. I one smell more. your cooking, Karen. Yeah, you smell it? Yeah. <laughs> one more. Whoa. Really? The Yankees won the American League wildcard oh, yeah. game against the Minnesota Twins, and they're going to the playoffs, and that's all I got. Woo! Oh, we get back, yeah. we got Gailey Poo, and she's got Tough Mother Mail. Yeah, with the mail. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And it's Gail. It's Gail with the mail. <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Uh -huh, okay. Mm -hmm. okay, first mail we've got is from Snoop. And not Snoop Dogg, just Snoop. Dear One Tough Mother, do you think it's acceptable to stoop uh, to snoop through a husband or wife's text messages or emails just to keep an eye on things? <laughs> what about a boyfriend or girlfriend doing this? Is there ever a time when it's okay? No. 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 Snoop. No. 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 If you have to start snooping, there's a problem. Exactly. Already, if you right? think that you've got to keep an eye on things, uh, there's trouble in paradise. Yeah. Seth gave me the big hey ho on that one, right, Seth? You're right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No. If you, if you have problems and you need to talk about exactly. it, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. what's the problem? Text him. Yeah. <laughs> Send an email. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and keep it off of Facebook, too. All right. Oh, don't bring that up. Oh, yeah. honey. Mm. All right, next one we've got is from Nikki. 
Dear OTM, I lost the love of my life to a car wreck eight months ago, and every day is a struggle. I miss her so much. Jen was the first woman I've ever been with, and it was true love, and I will never get over this, ever. I don't have much support because the relationship wasn't okay with our families. Being gay was hard for both families to swallow. I will never get over her, will I? Nikki. Yeah, you're going to get over her. I mean, it's going to take time, and and life does go on. And and unfortunately, that's one of those things that has to be said. Life moves forward, and you're going to move forward. You're going to get over. It's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie. It's a very tough go, but you're young, and hopefully... Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, I think... It's probably more like not get over because your life is forever changed. Correct. So it's more like get over this. It'll this always incident. it'll right. always be painful. It'll just be different. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know you what? There's, go ahead. there's another thing going on though. She's gay. Mm-hmm. Her relationship was not accepted by either mm-hmm. family, so she's also feeling alone. Yeah. Oh, she's alone. Totally. She needs right. to. I would suggest that she go find a grief counselor because mm-hmm. she's going to need to go talk to somebody Agreed. because she's experiencing a lot of other emotions in addition to the a loss, lot of, loss. of her partner. Yeah. And if your family wasn't supportive then and you feel like they're not right now, you definitely totally. need to find someone who is. Yeah. Right. And Seth, what did you say? I was saying try to live your life and you know make that person proud and live mm-hmm. in their honor too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? They're not going to want you to be sad and be right. down. They're going right. to want you to you know live, live your life. They loved you to be happy. Right. All great points. Time. Very right. true. We're so sorry for your mm-hmm. loss and we're sending you a lot of love right, right, and right. healing. And number three is from Lost. Dear Mother, yes, I was one of those women who met a man online and dated him, in quotes, for a long time without ever meeting him. I fell in love with his personality and in his pictures, he's just so gorgeous. It was hard not to fall hard for him. I begged him for a very long time to meet up. We have even scheduled get-togethers, but it's always seems that something came up and we never got together. Well, we finally, we finally met, and he's not the buff six-foot man in his pictures. His face is his, the same as the pictures, but he's around 350 pounds, extremely obese. I'm sorry to say, but I can't get past it. Yes, his personality is amazing, though in person he's a bit more reserved, but I'm not sure if I will ever feel a physical attraction to him. It makes me sick to my stomach that to be that girl, shallow, and only seeing his weight, but it's hard to see past. For a year, I was talking to this man with an athlete's body, or so I thought. I feel betrayed. Why couldn't he just be honest? I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Lost. Well, for me, it's it, it, I, betrayal is the big one for Lies. me. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to say it. Once, I always feel like once there's one lie, it just pers- you know just goes further. That's and further it. And I further. feel bad though about the weight thing me because too. if he is avoiding for a year. That means that he doesn't want you to see him at this weight. That's so true. So I'm wondering if you would want to communicate with them. And if you're such good communicators, you've been talking for over a year, you love him in a lot of ways. Like, could you get down to that? Like, was this, did you feel shame? Did you feel anxiety? Like, do you want to talk about this? Like, I don't know, because I, I mean, I, mm. I've struggled with my weight. I have family members struggle with their weight. And there is a lot of shame if you don't have the body you want to have. And right. sometimes you feel like, well, I'm too far gone. Nobody cares about me. Like, I don't like lying, but I also think, I wonder if there's any way you could communicate. Like, is it that you want to have an athlete's body? Like, you know, yeah, do you wouldn't f- you, have, after a year and you knew this was progressing, wouldn't you have gone those steps? I don't know, because there's so much shame. And then you feel like you're in too deep. 
and you feel like you can't come out of it. And if you really are in love with this person, with their mind and with their feelings, it's like, I just understand how you could be just feel kind of um, just stuck. And or can't look back that's, now. It sounds true. like yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Like I'm in too deep. I can't look at it now. But but it's not my, real though. It's my not thing real. is the betrayal. You yeah. started off the relationship with, with a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I'm bad oh, about that. I don't you're heavy about or you're thin. Right. You lied. It doesn't matter what you lied about. Mm-hmm. You lied. Oh no, I don't like lying. But yeah. I'm wondering if this the person also like want help in that way. Right. Right. Seth, well, they're not happy. I agree with everything you guys just said, but a different different point too yeah, is please. why do people have to be ashamed of who they're attracted to like uh, or feel shallow because right. I'm not attracted she, was a, she thought you know, she was betrayed yeah. that's what yeah. she likes mm-hmm. why can't yeah. you like what you like and you know you're right There's, yeah. she should not feel at all like no. she's shallow because this is what she feels in her heart it's right. for her right well it's part of part of being in a romantic sexual relationship oh, is yeah. the physicality of yes. it yes. and then you can't help if you're not gonna sometimes it's even the way someone walks it's a scent it's where you're still sort of mm-hmm. animals and, and it's mm-hmm. and then that's a part of it and so maybe they, they're just meant to be really good friends and she can help them through that way Yeah, mm-hmm. you know but if you're not attracted to somebody it's not there yeah and don't feel bad don't feel bad we don't want you to feel bad about yourself you're not shallow yeah, you're not a shallow society. person Right. society kicking in so you know our suggestion is you know you have to make the decision for you period you are responsible for your own life your own happiness make the decision that's best for you okay and if anybody else has any questions please write us at one tough it's one tough mother with a u dot com we're always there to help you we're always here waiting and find us on linkedin facebook instagram and Twitter, hashtag OTM, hashtag One Tough Mother, hashtag Tough Mothers. And Mothers says, sponsored by Avon, the new Avon, this is the boss life. And Mother says this week is Maya Angelou says, my wish for you is that you continue, continue to be who you are, to astound a mean world with acts of kindness. So everyone, love and light, okay? We're here for you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Ready, girls? Bye! 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 Bye!